Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Like, how does this whole how does this whole thing start for you? Right, you're so embedded in like what's going on in China. You live in Shenzhen. That's where all that whole sort of micro infrastructure is, right? For all the mobile devices that we use. Like, how does that happen? Sure. Uh... I, you know, I think it's always uh, gets get ahead of myself, but really it was uh, – I always say e-commerce. I was selling online. I, I had no idea what I was doing, uh, working on Wall Street after college, and then uh, I ended up uh, you know buying from factories in China online, staying up late at night, you know, sourcing online, doing Skype calls, 10, 11 p.m., a little bit frustrated. Just feeling like I was at a disadvantage, and I just felt like that the world was going to Asia and China, and I was kind of for me to do my product based e commerce business, I had to be more involved with what was happening here. Don't want to say I knew I was going to live here. I, I honestly didn't even know I could live here. <laughs> at that time, I thought you could just get like a temporary stay. I, I had no idea. But uh, came out here in the trade show season, fall of 2007. Uh, really almost really literally like maybe september october yeah like stayed for a month and uh was just blown away with the amount of stuff happening and the things that were just things to learn i mean i love learning i I think that's very important thing is to be a business owner entrepreneur you have to always want to learn so i just felt like there was so much i had to do here i i came back for the holidays with the family i was i was a self-employed already uh, after leaving Wall Street for six months or so, and uh, I was like, "Mom and Dad, I want to come back for Christmas, but I'm going to spend some more time in China." I picked Shenzhen. I can explain that if if you're interested. But uh, picked Shen- had a few cities uh, to consider, but picked picked Shenzhen out of the out of the list, and uh, came here at the end of 2007, thinking I'd spend six more months or so, kind of get get some sourcing operations, kind of take control of my supply chain, my product development make you know basically make products here make 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 do creative innovative business directly here and then what so what happened so like what kind of products were you selling in the united states and because back then there was no shopify did you build your own e-commerce website were you using amazon's platform like how did that work yeah it's pretty funny uh the real there was actually there been a lot of iterations. I started selling bar supplies, kitchen and bar supplies. Naturally, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was in New York. I was a young bachelor. I had a you know, uh, it didn't. Uh, you know, I always advise a lot of people. It's hard to predict to know what you're going to sell. Right. I think it's just the process of starting. So I sold a wider range of poker supplies and bar supply, kind of bachelor stuff that I liked. You know, I got so, uh, but it kind of narrowed into bar supplies, a kitchen. Uh, Cocktail shakers, bottle openers, pour spouts, kind of like the small barware things. Um, can't say I started buying from China directly right away. It was a process. You know, started with uh, drop shipping and wholesaling from the U.S. Um, led me to China. Actually, did some India and Thailand sourcing as well, which we can talk about. Yeah, but uh, I want to hear, hear about that too. But go ahead. Sure. So the for the technical stuff, I I got into like a make money online scam. Actually, <laughs> oh, tell me, tell me, this is but, great. But I actually uh, ended up making it work for me. But you know, I got—I was already doing some online marketing and studying how to make money online. So I was, you know, you can imagine all those bulletin boards and yep. and ads. Even in, this is 2004, 
And there was one that's like it was really well targeted. Banner ad says, you know, f- uh, learn how to make money online, free seminar in a Holiday Inn, 34th Street, 6th Ave, right in, you know, right in the right in the middle of Manhattan. So sure. I was like, yeah, you know, let's go. And I told my roommate, actually my best friend from growing up, you know, three year old nursery school, we were living together in New York, living a dream, and he came along. And uh, we ended up getting pressure, high-pressured sales into an uh, online shopping cart to sell products. We didn't know what we were going to sell. Uh, I could give the name of the service, but uh, it was, you know, it was... No, but it was, me, they, I'm, I'm really curious how this works because I don't know enough about it. So you go down to 34th Street, right? You go into the Holiday Inn. They say it's a free seminar. And, like, what is what does that mean? And I really mean this. Like, what is high-pressure sale? You can just leave, right? You don't have to do yeah, anything. Yeah, the funny story was, uh, well, it was a process. I think... I think uh, the first one was just a, a, a half day af- afternoon or something, uh, and then we signed up for a full day one. I think there was even a deposit, um, and it came with lunch and stuff. So then we went to this full day one the next weekend or you know following. Yeah, like we could have walked away. Honestly, Andrew just put names. Andrew uh, was like, "Mike, this is awesome." I'm like, "I never get sold this stuff. I am not going to get scammed. I'm not doing this." I am not- I'm not going to get scammed. So we left. We literally left, you know. But basically the way high-pressure sales is they were taking you in the back of the room. They basically says, okay, everybody have – while they're – they had a really good presentation about making money online. There was a guy that was selling uh, juicer kits or something like that, something squeeze – you know, some kind of kits to squeeze juice out of like fruits and vegetables yourself and you right. sell them online. It was a good content. And then they would take salespeople and say, hey, Mike, you got some time now? Let's go in the back and talk about your situation. So they're just kind of rotating a, a audience and taking them into the into the back uh, of the room or in another area. And then, yeah, they were professional sales and they would really kind of like probably use those tactics to hit on the points to, to get your emotions to uh, to sign up. And the way it worked was it was not a lot of money, but it was, a, it was like a three or four year plan that you had to sign a contract with for like – I think it was like a hundred bucks a month for three years, and it came with a shopping cart. It came with a merchant account, banking. So it was like a plug and play website. Um, wow. So, so we left, and then we came. I, I he was still talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I am interested. And we were on like, I could think it was like twenty seventh and like fifth Ave, or you know, we're not so far away. Like you know, down the grid a little bit. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's we'll figure out what to sell. Uh, let's do it fifty fifty. And we shook hands on the corner, and then we walked back. And you should have seen the look on the le- the face of those salespeople. They loved it. They, they were cleaning up. You know, <laughs> it was like six p.m. on a Saturday or something. And we're like, we want to sign up. And they're like, wow, you know, like we didn't get you, but we got you. You know, so uh, really, they're like, really? <laughs> yeah, they're like, really. But uh, the story is a. Uh, I learned from online marketing from from them. Uh, well, not them, but the other other buyers. So they started to get really upset because people got squeezed into like three thousand dollar things, and they had no idea about technology or there was no. You know, I got some CDs in the mail. I watched the CDs right. in the mail. Nice. So most people don't do that. Even now with information marketing courses, people buy it, they get hyped up, but then they don't take the time to do it. So right. I got pulled in. With uh, I got pulled into an online forum where people were kind of trying to team up to take this company down actually there's class action lawsuits they were uh you can look them up i don't know if i feel like if you want to hear the name or not but uh i'm indifferent you know they got yeah it was called stores online it was a utah company so i think there was a parent company behind it but they got sued class action lawsuits because 
a lot. They were going around the U.S. just doing these high pressure conferences, uh, you know. So, so most people didn't execute and got upset and blamed them. But then they said, "Oh, you signed this. You can't get your money back." Well, you know, something like that. But right. so I was in this forum, and we were all we were all trying to make make money together. And I, I learned with other other owners of that software, the other people that bought it, not the company themselves, but independent. Uh, Originally, it was just because they're all upset about getting scammed, and then but most, not all, but a lot of people in there started helping each other, and uh, I just kind of figured out how to do Google Ads and internet marketing and and fixing the shopping cart. I, I joke to others. I I started networking on MySpace with other uh, other people <laughs> before <laughs> Facebook and stuff, but. But in in a way, right? It's a funny story, but in another way, it's a really interesting story about the power of those communities to help each other right i mean it's weird right so you feel like you make a joke about you got scammed you and your friend went you know back up town or whatever to sign this thing which was a just a weird business stores online from utah or wherever it was and yet yeah just by doing that you got into this community of people who were just as pissed off as you were maybe you weren't even that mad but they were out there going okay look if i'm in i'm going to make this thing work who can help me make it work and isn't that kind of like, I yep. hate to be too philosophical, but it's kind of a metaphor for life in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I I love it. I still, uh, I met some of those people in real life, and uh, I even did some other projects with some of them uh, all around the U.S., mostly U.S., but uh, they were, we also, not all, but ones that stuck with it could succeed. I mean, I think that's that's true. I mean, I think that maybe the sale, the company was, had expectations i think they were showing numbers on the screen of the guy making all his money online you know the the the, the hockey ch- hockey stick chart right you know the the guy on the beach you know yeah it's easy to sell the dream but and, yeah 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 so they're they're giving the success stories of the guy that just i think it was a lot about drop shipping it's like oh i just connect my shopping cart to this warehouse and then the order comes in goes directly to them they ship it i keep the money i don't do anything right you know, that's kind of what people thought it was or thought it could do it's just but it's a lot of work you know people got to find your website they got to like trust your website the software was a little bit tricky you know you had to kind of customize it put the you know make it look trustworthy things like that uh so it's, it's it was a uh, but yeah it was amazing i mean i learned so i went through a few different shopping carts i got hacked a couple of times you know <laughs> i i had no idea what i was doing like i uh i didn't know even know how to do shipping or fulfillment you know, we're all both working day jobs, and we're uh, what I think is, is it's definitely true now. But even then, it was kind of true. It was drop shipping is where basically you have it shipped from another warehouse directly, and yep. they let other websites. Yeah, so so many people are doing that; it's hard to differentiate. So we started to find products that we couldn't drop ship, and started to stock them in Manhattan in our apartment. And it was getting out of control because we didn't have anybody to sign for it. We we're on a fifth floor walk up. <laughs> So I had to go to Hell's Kitchen sometimes to pick up packages at like 9 p.m. after work and nice. stuff. Is sh- out of control. Well, but, they, call it, uh, they call it Hell's Kitchen for a reason, or at least they used to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it's not so bad, but boy, when I was there, it was pretty bad. I'm sure when you were there, it wasn't great either. It wasn't so bad. But yeah, it was still you know, not the most popular areas with the lower cost of rent for sure yeah. up, up the area. What is that, like west of 8th Avenue or something? Yeah, yeah. I remember I had to go to Times Square and walk like so many avenue blocks over. I used to commute from the Port Authority, okay, from from Hoboken. I took the Apple bus to the Port Authority. I used to walk up 8th Avenue or Broadway and then cut across 50th Street to the Exxon building on 6th Avenue. That was a great walk. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I walk so much there. I mean, there's a... 
I usually would walk uh, Penn Station, Station yeah. no, or Port Authority bus station to Grand Central across. Because uh, you, the... you were on Wall Street, right? I was, I mean, I was at Morgan Stanley, but same thing. I had to walk uptown, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was. I worked at twelve fifty one on Avenue Americas for a while Same at time. first. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then I ended up getting down a sixty wall at the old Citibank uh, building, but Deutsche Bank taking it over or something right. like that. Yeah, I, I never had to commute by the PATH train, which was something that made me very happy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I know you yeah, did. Yeah, that path. I I've done too much of the path. So when you. So what I'm really interested in here is, so you'd sit there, you're sitting down in Hartford, right, with your mom and dad, and maybe your brothers and sisters, if you have, and you're like, okay, I'm going to be in Shenzhen for a while. And did they just think you were insane? Yeah. Just te- <laughs> technically, they had already retired to Florida, so okay. there was a little bit of a gap between Hartford and, yeah, I was Fair in New York for about five years, but they were down in Florida, so I came back from my one month. They already thought I was crazy because I had quit uh quit my job already in Deutsche Bank, you know, right. getting really well paid. Um, so I'd already quit, but I was living in, uh, I know there's lots of story, but I was living in California for a while, just about six months or so, uh, between China and New York. Okay. So I came back to Florida after China and I'm like, Hey guys, you know, uh, I don't really, you know, I was thinking about living in Florida, New York, California or China and it looks like China is winning and they're like <laughs> you're insane I felt like you're I had already broken them down a little bit because I'd quit my uh, quit my job right. you know like so it had been you know I was making enough to get by it was obviously it was still not as much as I was making uh, on Wall Street right. um, but uh, yeah they were just like man what, what did we do wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go back to kindergarten let's start all over yeah and then also they're it's a little bit touchy about them but they're more uh i don't know they're more pro-america like feel like i owe something to america why would i leave you know why why would i leave behind you know where i came from yeah I things like that i get it but then again, you made the right choice, right? Like, if you think about yourself, I don't know where your family lives in Florida. My sister lives in Florida. I don't even remember the name of the town. But if you think about <laughs> what your life would be like if you had done that, if you just said, you know what, I'm going to honor my family's desire for whatever, and then I'm going to go and live in Florida with them and get a job there and try to build a business there, you just have a much different life. Yeah. It's really my if you think about it. Yeah, I mean... There's like what is it called the butterfly effect? Even in the smallest change, there's so many, there's so many, uh, so many stories. Like I was considering, there was always those times I was considering staying back in the U.S. when I would visit again. Right. And there's a funny story where I thought I was gonna live in Manhattan. I almost signed a lease again in maybe 2010 or 11. Wow, that's not that long uh, ago. Yeah, I guess it wasn't that long ago. Um, I was I was visiting, you know, just just like I would come back and uh and then uh I got convinced like to take my return ticket back to Asia like the day before. I was thinking about skipping my flight and sticking around longer, but I decided to come back again. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's always always weird. But now like you're you're pretty much now like a China expert. Do you speak Mandarin as well? I can I can get by. I mean, I can have conversations and travel. Okay. I still gotta get better on my business Chinese, but yeah, but that's always going to be hard, right? Because there are going to be technical terms that you're not going to know, and there's going to be a whole bunch of backstories, right? But when you learn English, you, like you're not even thinking about learning, so it's a completely different dynamic to learn another 
language and then to learn another language to use for business. It's just a different level of triviality, right? Or non-triviality. So yeah. I'm just, and I only ask the question because I'm curious, right? Like, you know, sure, sure. I lived in Japan for 22 years and like, where's, where's your wife? You're married. Obviously you have two yeah, children. Yeah. So where's your wife from? Uh, she's from China. I right. met her so uh, during the adventure. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the obvious answer. Right. And, and that's kind of, it's just, a, again, a really interesting question. So your family's from Connecticut, and you left the country, and then you married somebody who's Chinese, right? So they just must wonder, like, what's going on? For for me, that's normal. Like, that makes perfect sense. And for all your friends, that must be like, oh, hey, it's nice to meet. Like, nobody cares. But it just looks mm. weird from, like, I, I know what you're saying, and it's hard to explain it properly for people that don't understand it. But for yeah. people that do, it's just really straightforward, right? Yeah, I mean, uh yeah, and I, I, I mean, like, of course, I blog a lot. I have my, I have a personal blog and a business blog, and uh, the personal stuff I share more with in my personal network. And uh, right, sometimes I strike some chords there for sure, you know. But uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, the hardest part is being away from friends and family for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting as you get older. Don't you realize that your friends and your family are kind of where you are now? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I you know I try to keep up with them at least for birthdays and stuff. I try to try to keep up, and I'll chat to them on Facebook or what email. And yeah, I mean, they're all seem very proud of me and and amazed, amazed. <laughs> it's probably a combination of both of those things, right? Yeah, um, you you know for sure there's a conversation around the dinner table or sort of the brunch table on Sunday in in Florida, and it goes something like this. Is Mikey still in China? <laughs> you know that. I don't know. My family, after I was in Japan for 10 years, kind of stopped asking me when I was coming home. Yeah. Yeah. There's always the time when you visit and they're like, when you come up, when's the next time you're back? And I haven't been back for two years. So it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been, I have not set foot in the United States since 2010. So that's almost seven years ago. Wow, that's amazing. But it's not for any reason. It's just because it just hasn't happened, right? Yeah. Well, for me, the scary, the, the hard one is the it's my daughter. So my son went back once, you know, since was, but my daughter hasn't been back, hasn't been there ever. So I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me, but I just, I love that. Look, the world is a better place when people interact with people they don't know. It just becomes a much, just a much nicer place, right? Like now, half of your family is Chinese, and that's a great thing, I think. Thanks, thanks. I'm glad yeah. you you can see it that way. But don't you think so? I mean, I think it's a great thing, right? Because when people start getting all I bent do. out of shape about, you know, when because here's the thing, right? When Chinese people and they don't do it as much, but when they get bent out of shape about America, they look at you and go. Good kid, nice guy, works hard, takes care of his wife and family. Like that's all that anybody ever wants, no? Yep. And it's the exactly. Same I mean, you. I think uh, the, well, when you don't know, there's a lot of these wars and these debates and all this stuff. It's just because people don't know the other side. Correct. If they just understood him as a human being. It's like all this. He. Sh it's almost like high school when you really step back. It's like, oh, this guy said this about that guy, and. It's like misinterpreted, mis misunderstood, and then us versus them thinking, you know? It's I mean, like. I have this philosophy that I call the other side of the mountain mentality, right? And you know this. It's, you're like, you know, the guys from Westbury hate the guys from Southbury. And you're like, mm -hmm. you're the same people. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, you're like 10 I miles know. away. I don't understand what the difference is. But it's the same thing whether it's China and America or Westbury and Southbury, right? Yeah. 
You know, the, I mean, and let's say this, people in Danbury are idiots, right? I mean, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just silly. I know. It's, well, I, what I say is there just has to be another planet, and then we'll all, like, all team up, and it'll be Earthlings versus Martians, and then it'll be... I don't know, it seems like humans have to have an enemy or something. Yeah, I don't then, understand. But then the first girl that marries like some Martian guy is going to muck up the whole system, and then you're done. Like That's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you're like, oh, God, how much further away can we go to find an enemy? Yeah, it's always – I don't get it. I think it's in our in our, in our in our caveman thinking or something, you know, like – maybe. Maybe we've just been pre-programmed to like not trust people that come from a different side of the mountain, but I think I'm past that. It sounds like you are too, which is not a bad thing. Exactly. We need more like us. <laughs> yeah, that's a bold statement. I think it may be more like you, not like I am for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're way better than I am. Um, but so what is your main business these days? Like what keeps you busy besides, I want to talk about podcasting sort of at the end because it's something that you and I both do in common and I think we probably do it for similar reasons, but I want to talk about that later. But what's like your main business? You wake up every day. Do you go to an office and like run stuff? Like what are you actually doing? So I'm recording now in my, uh, in my home studio. It's basically just an extra bedroom in my house. Uh, and, uh, but I do too many things is probably something <laughs> for sure. So, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out how to monetize. You talk about podcasts. I mean, I love making content. So, I mean, the majority of my time is even making content. But unfortunately, the way the world works, it's just not easy to directly make money from the content. So for the past few years, I've had an agency setting up Hong Kong companies. Uh, originally, I was doing it as the podcast, you know, to, as the, but I, I – about a year ago, merged with another uh, firm, so I'm a 50/50 owner and uh, basically lead, you know, lead gen uh, partner, marketing partner of a of an accounting company firm in Hong Kong. So oh. that 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 kind of pays some of my uh, one of my cash flows, and then we do events, and uh, we have a big one coming up end of October. So we seems like twice a year now do a conference uh, for e-commerce. What's it called? Seller. Cross-Border Summit is our April event, which is a little bit bigger and more international. And our new one, which is the first time this October, is Cross-Border Matchmaker, which is uh, more uh, local. Well, it's going to be Chinese and English, too, so, but we're going to have simultaneous translation. So it's both about cross-border business, cross-border e-commerce, uh, more on the export side like Amazon ebay uh selling online so uh and uh yeah we have a members program for the super fans and where i you know i do special private calls and we have private uh, masterminds for those people and then the other way uh a new cash flow or new investment is i uh took some people from the audience i had people apply to join me in a new amazon business so we're starting a new e-commerce business um just started uh end of august we signed uh signed up confirmed the partners it's four people i've never met before and they're like found me from my blog from the recruiting stage so uh we're hoping to make money from that you know it's an investment now but we're hoping to get some money from that uh in 2018 but what does that mean so you use the sort of not not the affiliate program right because that's different but you use the amazon sort of e-commerce selling platform to set up a shop online what do you do? You source products in China, so you use 
I forget, was it, is it the Alibaba platform yeah. that, you, that you use and then you funnel products into that thing? So it kind of goes back to what you used to be doing when you. Yeah, it's going, so it's, it's the, yeah, basically it was the start with a, well, I started with a dinner with a friend that's making, you know, pretty good money doing it. And uh, I always get people telling me I should get back into it. I, I sold out in 2012. Uh, I did it for eight years, 04, with that uh, Make Money Online scam. Right. That's when I start. And then I, uh, I sold out in 2012. There's a lot of stories. I did a mobile app startup. I went to a China accelerator for a few years. And, uh, and then I went into podcasting or information and consulting again with Global From Asia. But, uh, Basically, I, the story was I, I got back in the game. So in July, I put up, I finally got pushed over the edge to get back in, but I just didn't want to just do it. So I wanted to make it a community thing. So I, I had people apply to become a business partner with me, equity holder, and a new company to do the Amazon e-commerce business again. So I had a, a decent amount of applications coming in with videos and People are, you know, saying they want to be my partner. They want to invest money. They want to invest time. They want to. They have this experience. This experience. Um, and then I, I went through the applications and uh, we picked picked a few and uh, we made a deal. And I'm a 25% owner of a new business. But yeah, the actual way that business will make money is we buy products. Of course, Alibaba is one way we we use. We have there's other sources too. Um, we're still in the early stages of that. So what's it called? Like with the, Para Living, P A R A Living, dot com. Para Living Inc. So we set up a U.S. company because I'm an American, so I had to. But uh, so you set, set up, up a U.S. company. You set up a Delaware company. Yep, we have a Delaware company, Para Living Inc. And uh, yeah, I mean, Amazon accounts being registered, bank account just got opened. I mean, it's a it's a process. I mean, it's it's the cool thing is it's like a live thing. We're doing it like weekly updates uh, publicly and things. So, so where do the other people live? One's in uh, Hungary, one's in North Carolina, one's in Hong Kong, uh, and then me. And then we also have a, a advisor shareholder. This also he's from is is in Israel right now, but he's also based in Shenzhen. I mean, that's just an so awesome it's pretty way. global. It's right? an awesome <laughs> way to start a business, and but that doesn't fall on. So your brand, your your overriding brand, is the global from Asia brand. And when you were originally doing consulting, you said you did yeah, it, you did it under the podcast brand, and that's what you mean, right? You used global from Asia as kind of your your holding company. Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved it out of there and now you have yeah. power living. That's interesting though. Like, yeah, the consults. Well, there's a couple, I maybe just make sure I'm clear. Go ahead. Unipro consulting limited is the, is the Hong CPA. So that's the Hong Kong company registration with the partner reigning. So it's a Hong, local Hong Kong uh, partner. Power living is a Amazon e-commerce business. And that just yep. started a month ago. And that makes money by, buying and selling product. But yeah, Global From Asia, I'm trying to keep as a pure media, internet marketing, you know, um, platform kind of, you know what I mean? I think yeah, no, I know exa- three I know, different things. I know exactly, okay, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I really want to... I know to, it's confusing. No, 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 it's not so confusing at all. Sure. I, I think everybody I know does like three things, right? So they want to have a main business that generates... <laughs> a, no, that they do, right? Cause, and that's the new world, right? Like my guess is... And I don't know, but if you're a typical, you know, family from Hartford, Connecticut, your dad probably worked in the insurance industry. I mean, I'm just guessing. But either that or he was a doctor. Like, he had his own thing, but that was the thing he did, right? Or your mother was the main bread. It doesn't matter to me. But they probably had a career and a job that they did for their whole lives, and they probably weren't working at three other things at the same time. But that's what we do today. Mm -hmm. No? 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, there's a really good book I read, um, you know, The Art of Work. Uh, I could look it up. Uh, it's a, it's a recent book. Uh, but basically he says that the future is gonna be, uh, Jeff Goins as an author. And he says, uh, he says that the future is not you know, the old way of working was one job, nine to five, one thing, one paycheck. But he says the future is people are going to have multiple different jobs, you know, part time, freelance, consulting, investments, et cetera, et cetera. And there's me because, you know, it, the old way was people had enough one thing to do for their whole day. But he's, he he argues in this book um, that it's more and more normal for us to do two or three different things. Right. I mean, I would make the case that your brand actually is you, right? That it's it's Mike Michelini and that if I'm pronouncing your last name right, I hope I am. But it, yeah, you it, got but, it. You got it. But, but it is and that you do Global From Asia, you do, you know, the Paraliving and you also work with the Unipro Consulting. And depending which hat you're wearing at any particular time, you know, one of those is going to be kind of the main breadwinner. It's going to be an annuity business, right? So it's just going to, it's not going to run itself, but it's not going to require all of your time. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll focus on the global from Asia to really build something that has this sort of frictionless distribution from a content perspective, which I'd kind of like to f- ask you, like, what's the goal there? So when you when you think about doing your podcast, is it an interview like we're doing now? Is it a just a conversation with a, a regular person? Because Graham and I do that as well, right? We do ATP every week. The two of us just talk about topics related to tech in Asia. Yep. So what is... In your mind, like, what's the vision for Global from Asia today? And, like, where do you think it goes from here? Where do you want it to go, really? Sure. So it's uh, 2017 has been a really a big year for Global from Asia. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of grown to become three different part major parts. Uh, so one is media, which is the podcast, uh, also blog, and we have videos and newsletter, a weekly newsletter. I mean, I know you guys I get your newsletter too. Um, so we have the media, which is where it started and where the podcast sits. Uh, and then we have events, like I mentioned, is another big division. And then the third is platforms. So platforms, we have a jobs board for uh, all within this niche of, you know, cross-border e-commerce in between Asia and overseas. Right. Um, we have a jobs board. We have an experts platform where we're starting to have meetups in different parts of Asia so meetups or workshops where others can self-organize. And then we also have a, a service platform where we're kind of like an Odesk or a Fiverr Upwork where people pay to platform escrow to someone else to do the job. And then we keep a commission and then release after the, the work's been done. So Interesting. Like, so yeah, we're we're kind of trying to be like a complete community platform, I and mean, we have the membership. So if you remember GFA VIP, we call it. If you're a VIP, you get like discounts and special access and special perks uh, to all of that. Um, so that the long term is, I mean, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't plan to sell it. Uh, I, I plan to make it like a long term business for me and my wife is getting more involved she's been helping them a lot with the chinese side and we're that's why we're doing more events bridging chinese and and foreign uh foreign uh e-commerce executives right um but uh yeah i just had a call with a potential sponsor for the matchmaker and he's known me since before global from asia and you know he, you know how it is five or six years ago we know we were both in different positions he's he's a ceo at a pretty big 
e-commerce company now, service provider. And he's like, I had tried to get him to sponsor like two years ago, three years ago. And he's like, no way. He's like, yeah, he's like, now he's like calling me and he's like, <laughs> now uh, you're like, no yeah. way. Now he's like, oh, it seems like, uh, <laughs> it seems like you guys are doing a great job now. It's like, oh, when we're talking and now, uh, but, uh, we're going to, you know, this October is going to be probably the first event, you know, where it's going to be a really high level Chinese sellers. You were talking about us versus them. It's definitely true in this Amazon game, this e-commerce game, where it's these the evil Chinese money making faceless people versus like the the you know the, what, the super, I guess there's a, the super friendly the nice like candy, guy on the beach in Thailand or Bezos. you know or the yeah like the the mom and pop uh, sellers in America. Sure. Um, so we're gonna put them both in one roof. Uh, and some media companies have been asking me like, what's the goal here? Are they gonna even but it, what are they gonna like each other? They're like kind of like, you know, kind of competing for the same thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I we want to keep trying to, you know, it's always been trying about bridging bridging uh, this gap of Asia and the world. Um, so that's that's the long term is to make more more of these cross culture events for you know higher level e commerce import export professionals. Um, and what's your what's your edge, right? I mean, this is something I'm always looking for. You know, what's what's my edge? What's your edge? In other words, if somebody else pops up that's doing the same type of thing that you are, right, where they understand the cross border e commerce business, like how do you? Is the pie just getting so big so fast that it doesn't really matter if someone's competing with you, or are you just like so much better and so much more deeply embedded into the ecosystem that that's the moat around well, your business? The well, it's coming up again and again. Is a uh, you know like Wendy. My wife or Lucy, you know, these other Chinese uh, partners on a team are helping and they're talking to like potential sponsors, potential people. And they're like, oh, they, people know me. You know, uh, I might get emotional on this show, <laughs> but uh, Do it. Uh, so there's a really big Chinese seller, huge seller. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I still keep in touch with a lot of these people. And so we're trying to recruit these big big sellers to speak at this conference in October and my wife sends me a picture of one of a picture on WeChat you know we're, we're on different locations she's like do you know this guy and I'm like yeah yeah I know him he, he worked for me for uh, like a few four four years or so and she's like he's the biggest Amazon sellers in all of China and they he said they said he knows you that's awesome and yeah I it was a really emotional thing for me. Uh, I mean, honestly, I even still kept in touch with him. You know, we we had part. I like I said, I I, I exited. He was one. He he bought my uh, my business <laughs> when I left in 2012. He was a buyer. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was a weird feeling. I mean, I, we stopped kept in touch. We had dinners, but he had never told me numbers or or where he was. I knew he had. I know he's doing well, but. Uh, you know, I basically, I guess, the word is guanxi. I mean, I I know I've been in this game. I've been out here ten years. Uh, I know I, I people that work for me. I've a lot of them. They call me like teacher. I don't have them now, but when I was doing my own, that's why I got frustrated. Honestly, is I don't want to speak for him specifically. He he and I worked together a long time, and he had known a lot. But he was I was paying him fifteen dollars a day as an intern when he was in college. Right. <clears throat> 
and uh, uh, others are like that. Um, I mean, there's been some rough cases. I do have some uh, some bad history. Some people, you know, we've had some issues, but mostly I've been genuine to everybody I know, and we're on good terms. I've been on, on the ground here 10 years in this industry. Uh, plus, uh, you know, this content, as you know, with the blog and podcast, it's it scales. People, more and more people find it. More people know it, the brand. So, yeah, if there's an... And then there's lots of Chinese that do these, but no nothing that's like English. And then English don't know anything in China. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a little bit difficult for somebody to start doing it now. If they're, if I mean, they might have to. Maybe if they, maybe if they're a seller and they have this experience and net, network, I think it's a little bit hard to to do because you have both sides, English and Chinese, and the trust on both sides. Right. I mean, to me, these businesses always look like an overnight success, right? Like, it just looks like you came out of nowhere, but the reality is you've been building this for 10 years. Yeah. Right. And that, but that's, that's the mode actually around the businesses, the time and the dedication. And I think I was talking to, um, <clears throat> I'm sure you know the guy, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Hopefully I, w- I don't, but I'm sure I will. Gong, Gong Lu, right? Who oh, yeah. Technode. Yeah. Techno. yeah. He seems like a really nice guy and, He's awesome, yeah. and just a very interesting man. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about, because I, I think it was this week that I spoke to him, you know, one of the things we both agree on is that, you know, this business takes, and every business really, but it's just persistence, right? It's just waking up every day and just doing it. And a lot of people give up and that giving up is just creates an opportunity for the people that don't give up, right? Because you're never mm-hmm. going to succeed at your first shot at it. Like my guess is... If you go back and listen to your first podcast on Global from Asia, they're probably very mm-hmm. different than they are today. Exactly. I, I remember. Right. I mean, I think we all say the same thing. It's like, oh, okay, the first ones were slightly cringeworthy because it was me not really knowing what to do or what to say or how to run even a conversation with somebody. But the longer you do it, the more comfortable you get. And then it just feels like it doesn't even feel like work anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a saying like there's a few different sayings like Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn says if you're not embarrassed by your first MVP, your first iter- you know first release of your product, you're you're, you're too late. Right. I you think waited that, too long. Yeah, you waited too long. I mean, yeah, you have to do something when you're not totally sure how to even do it in order to to be ahead. I think or to to keep challenging yourself. Yeah, I mean, look, and I say this all the time, even about I, I say it to my own daughter, right? No individual day is fatal. And as long as you're making forward progress, you're making progress, and just keep just just keep trying to move forward, right? Um, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Just out of curiosity, right? What do you do for distribution and like? Can you talk earlier about you really want to monetize the media side of the business? But what's what's the goal there, right? Like, how big do you want to get? What's the vision for that? Because I have my own answers, right? But I'm just curious about yours. Sure. Uh, so I started the podcast. Actually, at an internet marketing conference in in uh, in Bangkok, of somebody saying somebody should start a podcast about Hong Kong business. I mean, there isn't anybody talking about Hong Kong business, and I didn't want to. I didn't name it the Hong Kong business podcast because you know didn't want to limit myself too much. And then I started thinking about. I picked a name at the conference, Global from Asia, and the idea was always. Uh, I mean, he said you could monetize this in a year by selling consulting. So sure. you know. So, uh, which is what I did, but, you know, it's, uh, something bigger, you know, some, that feels something bigger, but 
it also just feels relieving to not have to repeat yourself. I know you're right. You know, you're, I almost going to another level of that. I mean, I send people video replies sometimes or audio replies sometimes on, on, uh, on email or I'll make a blog post to answer somebody's question and I'll let everybody do it. Actually, I just this morning I wrote a re email, uh, and I told him I'm going to use this as a blog post too. <laughs> so <laughs> I've gone a little bit nuts, but it just feels so rewarding. I had like a couple of weeks ago, somebody thank me for a podcast with somebody from, I think I'd recorded in July, 2014, something like that. You know, uh, that my favorite part of creating podcasts or content is, uh, the ability to help people years later. And it's a stoic thinking, you know, I'm a Tim Ferriss fanboy too, but, uh, you know, I do think about my, my death and I think about, um, you know, I think about my, maybe my kids won't listen to the podcast, but they might watch my video, video blogs or they'll see themselves on video. You know, I just like to, to capture and to document and to share. Um, it's really what, what drives me and then also not repeating myself. So even before I started a podcast, I had a personal blog and people would ask me questions and I always get upset because I'm like, I keep replying and then I have to reply again. So that's why I started <laughs> to write it. Um, that's even why I started after I quit Deutsche Bank. So I started my personal blog because people wanted me to keep up to come up to date. Um, so that's maybe the short term. But of course, I have to earn a, a, a living from it. Well, I want to do it so much and focus on so much that I want that to be the way of what I do to, to earn a living. So that's been my challenge. Uh, so we do have some sponsors. Uh, we are pretty focused. We don't have the most downloads, but we do have, you know, I think a decent amount of avid listeners that, that, uh, that, uh, appreciate the show. So I, I been adding more sponsors, but, uh, I'd rather, you know, I think events seems like the best way is, you know, the media is maybe a lost leader, I don't want to directly monetize the media, but that's why I've been adding in the events and adding in those platforms so that I can continue to take the content to drive other other business. I mean, I think Gary Vandershout, Gary V says, you know, every business has to be a media company now. So um, so I think media is, is the the way to get and like us, we made business. We made connections, you know, from this from from this interview, right? So right. it's an amazing way to network and reach out to people. Um, I hope I answered. I feel like I talked a little bit too much on that, but no, 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 not at all. I mean, <clears throat> I get accused of talking too much all the time. It was a real. The thing for me is like I ask a real <laughs> question because I want a real answer, right? Okay. And I want to, and I don't mind if you go through the whole thought process, right? It, to a certain extent, a lot of the questions I ask are for me because I'm really curious, right, about how you cool. do it. Like, like, you know, <clears throat> I was speaking to somebody in the advertising business earlier, and I'm really curious about how they're going to handle, you know, all the RTB and DSP and all the algorithmic stuff that's kind of flooding into that business and making it very difficult. It just makes it very noisy, right, as opposed to filled with advertising signals it's filled with a lot of noise and i just wondered like how they fix that or what they're thinking about it when they do that what do the brands think but having that conversation with somebody who's actually in that market is actually really interesting to me yeah and again because i don't live in china and i don't i have i have views on it but i, I don't know right i don't know anything until i actually live there right so for you you're mm. sitting there living in Shenzhen and you know, you know way more about that market than someone who's not living there for sure. So that's yeah. when I ask these questions. It's really to get the real answer of 
Just run me through that thought process because I don't think I'm the only one who's interested for sure. But like you said, I have access to you because I do this, but most people yeah. don't. And that's, again, gets back to the same thing of one of the reasons to do this and why this is so effective is because it gives me and it also gives you this sort of frictionless distribution mechanism that's global yeah. from day one, right? It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, uh, and it, yeah, I mean, I think also audio builds somebody says audio goes to your heart i think it's even maybe steve jobs i don't want to misquote him but you know i think uh list you know you can have you can build relationships with people through through audio um sometimes people meet me i had a selfie with a listener he bumped into me randomly in the shenzhen i was waiting for somebody else the really funny thing was he was looking for somebody i was looking for somebody i came up to him and i asked him if he was that person and he's like that's whoa and he knew me from my voice. Right. <laughs> he's like so shocked. He took. He says he's got to send this to his kids because his kids listen to the podcast on on speaker in his house. That's awesome. In his kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it felt really cool. Um, but uh, some one of my other friends, uh, uh, he says, "Don't worry. Well, I think you and I will be better in the future when there's gonna be all these micro payments. Because right now the hard thing is it's hard for people to get their credit cards out and pay." But if there's easy ways people give like a tip or give even a pay per listen and it's like connected to their wallet downloads, maybe on even iTunes or something in the future, if it's like a few few pennies, but it's enough people, it can be something to us. Um, so that's what some people have been saying could happen to the content creators because it's true. Like I f- sometimes I feel really used, you know, you get these people that want us to. I mean, not not on a listener, but on sometimes these uh, platforms, they want you to like write, contribute to them, uh, uh, and not often, but sometimes they feel like just kind of like commoditize me and say, "Oh, you get like some exposure on our platform if you write for us," uh, things like that. Like, you know, I've read other articles of like, you know, there's reporters and some people get paid, you know, paid for this. Um, but they're just trying to, you know, sometimes uh, the news doesn't value, you know, there are all these contributors on all these sites like, you know, Forbes and stuff. They don't have to pay for pay for editors anymore. They just have these people that want to be famous or just want to get their name out there to write for them. Uh, yeah, it's, so a bad, it's, kinda, it's a bad business model, though, right? So even Graham and I talk about this, and I talk about it with a bunch of my other friends as well, right? They want to go out and they want to hire an intern for free, right? Because it doesn't... Mm-hmm. But the reality is, and I really strongly believe this, is that you get what you pay for. And if you hire somebody for free, you're not really hiring them. First of all, you're asking them for a favor. And if they don't do the favor, that you don't owe them anything and they really don't owe you anything. And I don't think it's enough to promise them um, you learn something, you'll get exposure. And because you're dealing with you know Global From Asia or the Asia Tech podcast, that you're somehow going to get famous from that. And then it's going to turn into a million dollars because of the fame that you gained by working with, even if it's the Huffington Post, right? Like, I just don't think that's the way it works. True, um, true. Now, if you're a college student and you're a full-time student and on the side you want to do something, fair enough. I mean, there have been internships forever. That's fair, right? But you know, there's a time to money trade off and a time to a money to to benefit trade off as well. And I'd rather pay somebody to work for me than have them work for me for free. To be fair, because they don't owe you anything. And like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? What's the trade? It's not obvious to me. So. Yep. Agreed. Um. <clears throat> anyway, I mean, I have a ton more things I want to talk to you about, but I think 
now is probably a good time to end, if that's okay with you. I feel like I've gotten sure. a great a ton of information. And I guess the only thing I would say is I'd love to come see what your home studio looks like. Did you really sure. did you really build it out, or is it just like a desk uh, and a microphone and a thing? Or it's it's just, it's adapting. I it's adapting. I could send a back a picture. Do I, it. Do it. Do it. I could even. I mean, I don't know. If to, you see me now? I can. Yeah. So it's a, that's great, and you're wearing a headset too, which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah. This is my mic. Okay. Yeah, so it looks great. I like how it has the global from Asia thing on it. That's awesome. Yeah, the nice thing about being in China is Taobao. You can buy anything like for like next day with like customized one piece. Yeah, I got another one here. I want to get um, I want to get t-shirts and caps made. Yeah, that's great. So that's what I want to do, right? I want to have a I have a dedicated room, but I don't have a sort of hanging stand mic yet. Mine is sitting on a on a tripod. Yeah, but. it took a while to. The problem is I have to ask somebody. I still have to ask for help to get on Taobao in Chinese, but uh, <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, look, this is uh, th- this has been awesome, and, and I was, I like to say Wendy's this here. Is, yeah, this is yeah. this is. Oh my God, <laughs> who's there? Somebody else in the room there? Oh, Wendy, Wendy. Hi, Wendy. It's <laughs> she's Michael. Like, she's like, can she's... you see me? You can't We're see. Doing a... You can't see me because I'm not wearing clothes that are that nice. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> anyway, Mike, it was great to talk to you. I'm sure this won't be the okay. last time. Is there anything that I can do for you, any way that I can help promote what you're doing and let people know more about it? Or is there just any way you want people to get in touch with you? I mean, just go ahead and let them know. Sure. I mean, there's tons of websites and, and stuff, but try to put it all around globalformation.com. Uh, as far as the short term, if people, you know, if the problem with physical events is uh, people to be able to come here but october 27th is the matchmaker so that's our big big push right now um you know we're looking for attendees uh media and sponsors for right now but uh yeah i mean i think there's lots of ways we can help each other uh yeah and, and, def- uh, and definitely reach out to me if you need anything in thailand or in the rest of southeast asia i can definitely help we'll you. do i'll be there in october october what are you coming? Sure. What are you coming for? That's not uh, for this thing, is it? I'll be there for the. I don't know if you know Diamond Circle DC BKK, but there's a conference in Bangkok uh, about a week long. This I think it starts the 18th to the 20th, but I'll come a couple days earlier. Super. So if you're, I'm not sure where in Thailand, but if you're in Bangkok, I'll be there for about a week. I'm in uh, mostly in this conference, but it's at the it's at the. Uh, what's the name of the hotel? Conrad. I know where the Conrad is. It's on Wireless Road. So, yeah. Look, definitely let me know when you're here. I'd love to catch up in person. It'd be great to just kind of exchange ideas all yeah. the time. So we could do a show too. I mean, I can get you on my show too. Let's um, do it. Okay. Okay, Mike. Thanks again. All right, Mike. No problem. Thanks Talk for to you later. having me. All right. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.